Welcome to Everybody's Bad With Money. I'm AJ Schneider, founder and CEO of Beyond the Green Coaching, where we help people every single day heal their relationship with money. Join me multiple times per week where I bring you inspiring guests, solo episodes, and share tangible money and life tips you need to be your most confident, independent, and empowered self. Welcome back to Everybody's Bad With Money. Today we have Shanti Knight. Shanti is a wedding, portrait, and branding photographer working primarily in Chicago and New York and is available globally. In addition to her work serving her incredible clients, she loves reading, traveling, museums, shopping, and style, and personal development. She's a committed environmentalist living a primarily plant-based lifestyle in stewardship to this planet. It's a really fantastic conversation about value and finding your own inner worth and using financial freedom and independence and financial empowerment to find that inner worth and how that bleeds into every area of your life. This was really such an in-depth and thoughtful conversation, and I can't wait for you to dive in. We're going to start this a little unconventionally with a little breathing Actually, I feel like I could use the breath too. So I'm always remembering to like sit up tall. (laughs) Shanti's just like, I'll be a good meditation student right now. Oh my gosh. I'm the best student in this moment. Let's take a big breath in. (sighs) Ooh, inhale. One more. I'm always like, one more breath. Shanti, hi. 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 Do you know what's so funny is I actually use that a lot when I'm doing portraits. Like I, when I'm photographing my clients, like I actually tell people, really, you're here, you look fantastic, breathe with me. And it's amazing. Like it, it works for everything. Like breathing works for everything. Yeah, it really does. It's, it's, uh, you know, I remember um, back in the day when I used to smoke cigarettes, I apologize for my mother-in-law who's hearing this. I think I've mentioned this before. She probably knows. But I remember someone said to me, they're like, yeah, it's, it's just your way of trying to get breath into the body. And it's like, you're feeling like you can't. And so you like have this external thing. And I was like, oh my God, that's so powerful. And then finally to be like, I don't want the thing that's coming inside of me to kill me. Right. And going, oh, I need to breathe. How about yoga? Yeah, right. Exactly. Right. Well, oh, no, I was doing both at the same time. But oh, yeah. yeah, I forgot. Oh my God. Yeah. Those were the days when I would like go to a yoga class and then after have a cigarette. <laughs> I had a <laughs> lot like of the dirtiest little secret. I love it. Yeah, it is a dirty. Se- I love, I love sharing my dirty secrets now that I have no shame or embarrassment around them. Uh, but I, but honestly, it wasn't until getting my finances in order when I started valuing my own life. And I was like, I, I literally had a pack left and I was like, I don't want this. That's amazing. Isn't that crazy? It's so beautiful. I mean, I'm just like, I'm so excited to talk to you about the power of finance because I believe <laughs> in it so hard. And what's so amazing to me is the way that, you know, we always say like a financial journey and it's like really, 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 it's a journey. And I think the coolest thing, the coolest journeys don't have like a clear end point. You know, yeah. even finance, it's not like, okay, now, while now that I've hit this self or this net worth, now I'm, now I'm self-actualized and like my journey. It's like, I think, you know, there are the people like you've mentioned, like your husband who just got modeled really healthy relationships with money and they just, it was never a big deal. And I am not one of those people who, for whom it was an effortless journey Uh, So I don't know what it's like, but my guess is for them, it's less of a journey, right? But I think I wonder too, I have a lot of alcoholics in my life and um, fortunately many who are recovering and some who are not. And I think that, you know, it's like the reason they say recovering is because if you've been an alcoholic, you always will be, but fortunately you're recovering and that sort of thing. So I think it's similar with the money journey. I agree with that. And I, um, I think a lot about my old life coach, Deb Roth. I remember just crying to her back in like 2016 about money and love. And she was like, 
why you're 26, 27. She's like, you're 27 years old. Like, why do you think you're supposed to be good at this? (laughs) This is the hardest thing. And the fact that you want to work through it is what's going to make the change. And also like, it was just so validating because I remember, she's like, why do you think every book and everything is written about money or love? Like, these are the two hardest things. Right in the world. And I really believe that the challenges that we are given are our grace, are the things that we are meant to learn in this life and excel at. It's the because it, it's always you can be naturally gifted at anything, but if there's no work involved, there's no journey, there's no exactly what you're saying. There it's there's no exploration, there's no growth. Yeah, exactly everything that. Yes, totally. Who are you? Where are you? Tell us about yourself. Hey, I am Shanti Knight and I am a professional photographer. I focus on weddings, portraits and lifestyle which also also reaches into the realm of branding work and content for creators of any kind. I work primarily in Chicago, New York. I'm actually based in Bloomington, Indiana at this time, and I work everywhere. So um, travel is a really fun and exciting part of my job as well. Yeah, our journeys, our journeys intersected in 2000. Oh my God, I wish we could find that photo that you had of me at that event. I mean, and, it's, it's, it's in that drawer over there. That's for sure. <laughs> oh my God. Compared to like now. I should find it. I should go Because it really, like a picture really does say a million words. And I was in such a low place when I met you. Where were you? What were you doing with your life? <laughs> I was in, I know where I was. Where were you? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we met, it was 2017. And I was a year into having declared that I was starting a business, that I was actually doing it. I mean, I grew up in, in a photo studio. I had been working professionally for, it depends on when you start counting to some degree. Like, do you start, do you count when I started working for my dad when I was 12? Do you count when I, yeah. when I started, when I took on my first paid clients when I was 19, I'd been waffling around with it and I hadn't really declared it and said, yep, I'm doing it. So I was a year into declaring it, fortunately in my twenties. So I could like, you know, I had the resilience of being able to drive all day and work all day and drive all day the next yeah. day and eat garbage, wake up early in the morning. Like, yeah. See, and what's funny, I will say the funny thing is I took garbage care of myself in every way, except what I ate. Nice. I've always been fastidious about food. And I was like, I would not settle. It's like no sugar, no gluten, no dairy, no, no meat. Like I was so fastidious about what I ate, but like, and I thought, I really thought then. I really thought that was like the picture of health and that I could like every, let everything else go because I ate fantastically. So I would like not sleep and like, and your finances were whatever my finances were. Yeah. A complete mess. And like, you know, and I just, whatever I was in my twenties. So that's where we met was my finances interestingly were a mess and I was starting a business and I was just like hustling. And I was doing that gig that I was doing when I met you, I was losing money on, like explicitly losing money on. Um, (laughs) That's hilarious. And it's what I think what's the funniest thing about that, and this is so like behind the lens, is Uh that you were taking photos of an event to empower women and female entrepreneurs and learn from successful, quotes, air quotes, female entrepreneurs. And you were being underpaid. Oh, yeah. I actually wasn't even being paid for those gigs. Literally, I wasn't. It was like, somehow I like struck a deal where it was like, well, this is a good exposure gig, which like for anybody who's listening, exposure gigs are bullshit, period. They're totally bullshit. And they used to say that to me too as a yoga teacher. Oh, it's great exposure. I remember the last text message I got where someone tried to get me to do something for free. It's like, why? Right. Do you do your job for free? My dad and I talk about this a lot because he also owns and runs a business. And we talk about people who come to us and, and ask for discounts or, you know, I have people who are like, what's your friend rate? And I'm like, 
I don't, are we friends? <laughs> like, you know, and what we talk about is, would I ever go up to somebody who works in nine to five and say, Hey, would you be willing to take a pay cut this week for me? Cause that's what they're asking you. They're asking you to take a pay cut. Yeah. And the, and most people don't realize that. I mean, people aren't monsters. Most people aren't monsters. They just don't consider it from that perspective that they're asking for a pay cut. Yeah. It's surreal, really. Yeah, it is. And so you're doing this so job, doing this job for, for free. free. Yeah. Absolutely. For brand exposure. For exposure, which the good news is I met you. That's fair. So there was something. So I did kind of come out on top. <laughs> Even though it's not what I would do now and it's not what I would suggest someone do, I still see the gifts of that. I still see the fact that I connected with you and all of the gifts that have come from connecting with you that one time, that one event. And I see, you know, in my field, it's not sexy. Everybody wants to like buy a camera and like, you know, have like this very sexy career right out the gate. And it's like, you, you simply must practice. And I did get a lot of really good practice on those gigs. And so I think that there are better ways to get practice. I don't think losing money is the right way to get practice, but I do think that, you know, beautiful things came out of that experience, I guess I'm trying to say. And that's a mindset thing. And I love that about you. And I think that that's so valuable because I always talk about this, that you can't pay for experience. You can't barter for more time and experience. It's just you either have the experience or you don't. And every second that you're learning and honing your craft, you're getting better. Every hour I put in with a client, I'm like, yes, that's another hour that I learned something and I did something and I honed and I I chiseled my expertise. And I wouldn't like trade a second of it back. And I used to feel that way with yoga too. It's like every class every moment is this opportunity to like get better. Absolutely. I love that you recognize that and you acknowledge that it's not like, oh, it's just the negative. It's like, no, there, it can, it can be both. There's actually duality. Like we live in a world with duality. Precisely. It's duality. Absolutely. So we reconnected like the beginning of the pandemic, probably like 2020 and like your world's kind of really rocked. So you're running around, I, I, from what I remember before that, running around all over the country doing weddings and photo shoots and all of, and like living that very like photographer nomad life. Yeah. And then the pandemic hits and what happens? I, so we connect, you and I connected because you were doing yoga on Zoom. Oh, right. And, <laughs> right. I forgot about that. And it was so good. And, you know, I was really blessed summer of 2019 I accepted a nine to five, which was a really kind of difficult decision for me because I wasn't, I I very explicitly did not want to give up my business, but I was also really tired Mm -hmm. and I really, really needed the boost. I mean, I am not married and quite frankly, a lot of the female photographers you see on Instagram or Facebook or whatever are married and they actually don't have to turn a profit to survive. You know, it's frustrating at times because there was so much emotion attached to it of like, I have put so much into this business and um, my finances are still a mess and I'm still just like barely making it. And I'm on my own out here really. And not that I don't have a lot of loving support, but in terms of like household, it was me. So I got the opportunity to become a photographer at an art museum and start photographing an art collection. It really, I'm still there and it's amazing. It really is an amazing thing that has just buoyed my world in so many ways. And at that point, I was still very much running my business but I was also very blessed that I was not 100% relying on my business to sustain me. And you told me what you were doing with financial coaching. And I was just like, yeah, I need that. (laughs) I really need that. It wasn't like my first exposure to like clean up your finances and get your mindset in order and all of that. But everything I'd done up to that point was like podcasts and books and it was not personalized. It was just collecting what I could from free resources, which free resources are amazing. Like we should get everything we can from them. Felt like at that point, I was kind of maxed out what I could get from free resources and I needed to just get more specific. And that was when I started 
talking to you. Yeah. You know, and we worked together for four months, I think. Yeah. Worked through a lot of mindset, worked through a lot of technicalities as well. Like, you know, really laying out the um, historical expenses, laying out where the money's coming from, where it's going. And it really was a big shift. It really helped me separate my emotions in the best way, right? Like I, money is emotional and we know this, but like I, one of my biggest things, and you're going to remember this well and laugh about it, AJ was shopping Yeah, and just clothes. I love clothes. It's like kind of my thing. I really love, yep. I really love to shop and you really helped me. There was so much emotion in that part of my spending that was like, I need this dress. Like this dress will make me the person I desire to be. Yeah. What was really magical was like, even now, I mean, I still shop. I still buy clothes. I love to buy clothes, but the relationship with it is so different because it's not desperation. It's just fun versus like, oh my God, like I have to, if I don't buy this, like, I won't ever be the person I see myself as. Yeah. And also that it like abstracts all of the, I deserve, I'm entitled. And that's so powerful, right? When like you stop putting pressure on things to like validate what we want inside or that we need, that we need assurance on inside. Right. Yeah. And I think that it was like, I would watch, you know, I'd like refresh my cart every day and like stuff like that. And it just like, I saw this Viola Davis quote. I want to pull up yesterday. I saw this quote. I'm going to pull it up. A nice car and a big house are the old status symbols. The ultimate flex is freedom, location, freedom, financial freedom, and time freedom. Yup. <laughs> and the time freedom one was one that was really interesting for me because my obsession with shopping was actually stealing my time. And I think that for a really long time, I thought of it just as stealing my money, but it was like, and it was stealing my energy. It was like, everything was going into this thing that was like, this isn't, this isn't creating the effect you think it's going to create even. Totally. And so now when you buy clothing, is there like a budget? Is it like, are you going into a store versus shopping online? Like, what does it look like? I think I'm more mindful of how I shop for sure. I did a lot of work as well on like, what is my style? Like what, how do I want to, how do I want these clothes to speak for me or help me show up in the world? So being more intentional about it rather than buying things that I think are, status symbols, which, you know, I still struggle with, right? Like we're all, I'm, 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 a, I'm a recovering, you know, label whore, <laughs> but, um, you know, but I think that not buying things as much for status symbol and, and really trying to explore what style, actual positive impacts of style on my life. How can style make me more of who I am in the best way, which is interestingly what I've often said about money, money's an amplifier, you know, I think that, you know, the whole ideas about money being like, you know, oh, rich people are evil or bullshit like that. It's like money makes us more of who we are. If we're already generous people, money makes us more generous. Yes. And so I think about it with style as well. It can also be an amplifier of like, if I'm already a, if I'm already a confident person and I put on an outfit that feels really in alignment with my spirit that can actually make me a more confident person. It can help me show up. So I think that being mindful with the with it, and honestly, like I shop a lot used, like I shop on ThreadUp a lot, and that's still my favorite site. But it's like this detachment. Like if something sells that I had my eye on, it's like, okay, you weren't for me. Like I think that it's like that scarcity of like there only being one of everything on thread up used to be like this fear factor. And now I take it more of like spiritual signaling of like, you don't have to buy it now. Um, and I'm not like constantly like watching it, you know, I'm not like, Oh my God, is it there still? Blah, 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 blah. It's like, I'll check in. And I'm like, Oh, I had my eye on that. It's sold. Oh, well kind of thing. So I think of it as more of a creative expression now than it at the time it was more of a like asserting my personhood. Mm. And now it's more just like a joyful, creative practice. I love that. 
How else has getting your finances in order? You know, you talk a lot about like, oh yeah, my finances were a mess. It's like, how did that impact at two areas that I'm thinking of really like your business mm-hmm. and also how you do business and then also like your day-to-day? Oh my God. I feel like the day-to-day, well, both. I'm, I was going to say that's the bigger one. There's this JK Rowling quote that I really love. I read it last year and it, it just like, actually this year, I don't know what, what year is it? 2022. Okay, 2000, yes. Uh, I think it was this year. Anyway, I read this quote from JK Rowling and it just spoke to me so hard because it, it was just, this was my truth. She said this in her, um, in her commencement speech to Harvard several years ago. Poverty entails fear and stress and sometimes depression. It means a thousand petty humiliations and hardships. Climbing out of poverty by your own efforts, that is indeed something on which to pride yourself. But poverty itself is romanticized only by fools. Mm. You know, and I, I think about that, the thousand petty humiliations and hardships, the really humiliating experience of like, oh, I can't pay for gas today. So that's how I'm going to make my decisions. Like that's, that, that sucks. Like that's really, really a, a hit to the heart and the ego. And, you know, I grew up in a family where we didn't have financial trouble. We weren't super rich. We pretty much have what we needed. And we, I mean, we went on vacations a lot. We went, you know, we, my parents took me overseas. Like I had a really easy childhood financially. I mean, like I said, I think that it just, it wasn't something that took up a huge amount of space in my mind as a child. And I feel really blessed with that. And then I graduated from college like you in, well, I graduated in 2011. Was that the same year you graduated from college? Yeah. Same. Yeah. And, you know, and we, you know, we entered college at the financial crisis, at the financial yep. crisis, graduated with student debt. And despite my parents' best efforts, which to be fair, they actually made a, a, some effort to financially educate me. And I think my brain, I don't know, I, this is something I wonder, you know, because I, I do look at the way my mom tried to teach me about this is how interest works and this is how the bank works and all of that. And I go, why didn't I absorb that better? And I think part of it was that, you know, I was like, oh, this is boring, right? I was a kid and it was boring. And I wonder if there just wasn't motivation for me. Like, I didn't see anything bad happening because I wasn't doing those things. And so I thought, well, I guess I don't need to do it then kind of thing. There's so many things that it, it comes in, which is why I love, I don't think this story of any, like anybody ever sharing their money story is ever going to get old because it's always so different. And there's just so many reasons why we don't latch on to that information. Like if we really look around, there were resources, right? Like it took me until I was 27 turning 28 to reach out to my aunt. My aunt was always there. She's been there since I was 11 years old, right? I could have, oh, I could have asked her when I was 19. I could have asked her when I was 25, but I, I, I couldn't until I was ready because I think the number one is that money is emotional. Our relationship with money is emotional. And, and most of us are um, enabled to justify poor emotional hygiene. And money is an amazing mask and escape from the negative feelings that we have. And, and, and it's so comfortable. We're so comfortable as a society bypassing negative emotional experiences with things and distractions and it's part of our commerce and it's part of capitalism that it's just comfortable to be like and normal and natural to be in your mid-20s and be like, I'm going to figure it out. And I think also last point I'll say, because now I'm getting really heady, which is always happens when I talk to you. I love this. We have been really constricted. You know, if you are like me and you who went to school all our lives and then went to college until we're 22, like we have been in like very dependent and also like itching and itching and itching closer to independence. And we get out of school and all of a sudden we're like, I'm fucking free and I'm ready to go. And I'm ready to be autonomous. Even if that means I fail. And even if that means I get into debt and I make mistakes, like at least they're my decisions and I get to make them. I think that's a big part of it, especially if you felt very much like, I have to break free, you know, like 
getting out there. And I certainly did. I certainly did. And it's really interesting you mentioned that because something that I encountered that I, I remember very clearly. So like my family, we didn't have financial issues and, you know, we got to travel and there were all these wonderful, wonderful things about my childhood. And my, it's so funny because it's just so revealing. My big thing when I was a kid was I never got to buy all the clothes I wanted to buy. (laughs) I wanted so many clothes. Like I was like, I love clothes. Like how else do I say it? You know? And it was like, when I got out of college, it was like, I want to buy the clothes I want to buy. I mean, I remember my first really kind of shameful money decision when I started college and, you know, not even to get into it, but I also have like tons of body image issues and all of that, you know, like, like us, like us ladies sometimes do. And when I started college, I would felt, you know, I felt so alone and so lonely and so lost. And I went to this boutique in my college town and bought a pair of true religions that were too small because I wanted to be the size that they were for with money I didn't have. And it was like, that was the decision I made. And it was like, talk about emotional. It was like nothing about that purchase made any sense at all. But I was like, I have to buy, I have to buy these jeans. Yeah. It's just like post-college, I just wanted to buy the clothes I wanted to buy. That was like my big dream, like, which is insane in a certain way. I mean, it wasn't really my big, big dream, but I was already living my big dream. My big dream was to move to New York and work glamour. I was doing that. So it was like, now that I'm here, really what I want to be doing here is buying clothes. Like that was kind of like my little bad girl streak was, was buying clothes. How much of that clothes do you still have? Like, that's a great question. Um, Like none of it probably. (laughs) No, and I mean, yeah. thank God I've again done this work around style and really thinking through like what what is it that I'm seeking from clothes, right? Like I know that I love them, but what am I? What do I want them to give back to me? You know, and how do I want them to serve me? Creating space around style and creating space around how I want my clothes to serve me has enabled me to shed a lot of clothes that were just there because I felt like they were going to give something that I actually didn't need anymore. Mm. Mm. It's like I needed those true religions to like prove that I was worthy of going to the cool bars in college. Right. You know, and it's like, that's not where I am anymore. Is it safe to say that the things you were seeking from clothing, you now have within and therefore you don't need those external things to make you feel like you have them? Increasingly, yes. I think that, you know, again, it's a journey, right? And I of course. think it's like the awareness that I'm getting increasingly from therapy and coaching and, and self, self-work. I want these clothes to serve me. I don't want to be held by them. Yeah. The outfits and the style made you feel confident. Right. And now from getting this kind of stability and resilience within yourself, like you are embodying confidence more. And so therefore you need less. And I, and I was like saying, is there, because of the work you've done in the last two years, like, do you feel like the feelings that external things gave you are now more internally intrinsic to who you are? Absolutely. And what's so interesting is like, I always wanted them to give me confidence they couldn't. I mean, they really couldn't. They can enhance what I have inside, but they could never, it, they're more powerful now because of what I can bring. But before it was like, I didn't have it at all. So what the clothes couldn't give me something I didn't have. Wow. But I believe in their ability to enhance. I love that. That's like full circle what you were saying. You know, it's like generosity begets generosity when you're when you are a generous person and you have more, you are more generous. It's not the opposite. Exactly. Yeah, but like if you're a stingy person and you get a bunch of money, you're not all of a sudden going to become generous. Right. It's like the money can't make you a generous person. And yeah, it's totally full circle on that. So that's like the day-to-day stuff and then what about your business? When I was financially sloppy, which is so funny because like this is going to be on YouTube and people are going to you like 
there's literally not a lick of you that personifies sloppy. Like (laughs) that is the most like, it's like the antithesis of your being is sloppy. Like if anybody sees your work, the way you dress, the way you present yourself. So it's so funny for you to call your relationship with money sloppy. It really like, it really indicates if under like, looking at you, feeling you, knowing your energy, knowing how you present yourself to the world, like it is so indicative of your relationship, how your relationship with money was. Yes, absolutely. And it was, it was, it was sloppy and it was, what was so interesting was at that time, during that time, I was so, there's so much anxiety, obviously, right? That's, that's kind of a doy, but I think the point of it is the lack of anxiety. Like, okay. So recently I was on a gig in New York and I had my team there with me and I was actually shooting, but my team wasn't shooting that day. And then I had them, they were going to like pick up a rental for me at a camera store for the next day. And they said, Oh, well, they don't have this rental. Blah, 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 blah. They like called me with the issue. And it was like, you know, you can't just buy this flash for like, $170 and it'll, it'll do the job tomorrow. And I was like, yeah, just get it. And the ability to know that $170 wasn't going to like mean I couldn't eat for the rest of the weekend. Right. That, I mean, it's things like that. It's the ability, truly, it's the ability to show up and serve my clients first and foremost. Yeah. Because I know that I'm okay. Yeah. And I think that also just learning the self-respect of charging appropriately. That's a yeah, huge deal. We had a lot of, we had a lot of conversations about that. We did. About, and about and your pricing. Done, yeah. And it's like, God, I've done so much work around that and such good work around that. Like it, it feels ultimately what's so interesting is how much cleaner it feels mm-hmm. to do work when I feel good about what I'm being paid and, you know, changing, shifting the mindset, you know, I worked for so long in bars and restaurants, you know, after, um, after glamor, I was just kind of done with magazines. I'd done so my degrees in journalism and fine arts. And I thought for the longest time, I thought I wanted to work in magazines. And I did a few like local regional magazine internships throughout college, post-college, went to Glamour because that was like my dream publication that I was going to work at Glamour. And it was great. Like they, they looked after me. They, tr- they treated me well. Like I felt good about my experience at Glamour, but ultimately I was just like, this isn't it. This isn't everything I want. And so I spent a few years just like working in bars and restaurants and had a really good time. And, but what was interesting about that was that it really reinforced an old mindset about money and work, which is that you get paid for your time or your effort or your energy versus getting paid for the value you provide. And that's something I've really been wrapping my mind around in the past few years is like the difference between charging for time versus charging for value. I loved what you said earlier about the way that you can serve so much better because you have your time back. You have the space in your brain to be fully present and really show up and do the job. And I have found that so relevant and true in my journey as well, because when I taught yoga, there were days that I was so beaten down and I was so burnt out and I was so whatever. And I would show up with that energy. And it was really about me. And I had to come overcome like this arc in those classes. I have never, ever, ever, like truly ever once gone on a call with a client and felt that way. It has always been 175% about them. It has never been about to validate my existence. When people say to me, you changed my life or you did this, I, I have no attachment to that whatsoever. I'm like, I'm so glad that you took the tools that I supported you with and were able to make the changes in your life because I know how difficult that is. You did all that. Like, I don't even, it doesn't even like register that they're talking about me. 
And it's so crazy though with yoga though, it was like, because I wasn't empowered and I didn't, I wasn't stable and I was still depending, hoping, praying that that next class was going to get me that opportunity to give me the money that I needed to support myself. And when I didn't need that anymore, (laughs) it was like, oh, I don't need you to validate me. Again, go, like full circle. Like I like I'm worthy enough within myself. I have enough self, I have enough esteem. I have enough confidence within. I don't need you to validate. And it's funny because I'm such a words of affirmation person. Like my husband tells me he loves me like 7,000 times a day. And that's the way I like it. And I <laughs> love being told how amazing I am. But it's... Uh, it's funny though, and I, I love that you said that about the showing upness of your job. Like, of course, you can ask for more money when you feel like you're showing up 175%. You know what you're worth. And, and knowing that, like, what I deliver is 175% worth it. Like, I think that, you know, and that's where it gets. I was thinking about this the other day where I don't think that I did everything in the right order, or like, I don't know, I don't, I couldn't. I don't know. Could I give a guidebook on, on how to start a photo business? Because I'm like, I probably did it all like in the wrong order or what it was not even the wrong order as much as I think that we as a society really love things like packaged, like you do this and then you do this and then you do this. And that's how it's like, that's, that's the formula. And for me, it was like a one step, two step. It was like, now I know how to use this light that I've been wanting to learn how to use. Great. Then I do this. And it's like, the next step is like, I don't know how, how to communicate when something in the shot isn't quite how I want it. You know, I mean, it's like these very awkward steps that when you're in it, I mean, you know, when I think back to some of my really early sessions, it's like, it's embarrassing, man. Like even, even what's so crazy is I grew up in this. I literally spent my whole childhood watching my dad do this work. And so I had it, I've had it very imprinted on me early, but being able, like being able to apply that yourself is still its own thing. And so there'd be like this, you know, these awkward phases of me trying to apply what I knew but not doing it very gracefully. And now it's like being in this place where, you know, I know I can show up and deliver. And that is so empowering. I've had this thought recently. This is totally non sequitur, by the way. Are you okay with that? Yeah. You know how everybody like loves a Nancy Myers movie? Um, maybe. Okay. So like, (laughs) you know, like it's complicated. Something's got to give the parent trap. Like, Oh yeah, sure. Like everybody loves love. Yeah. Julian, listen, Julian, Julia, Nancy Myers. Love it. Love Julian, Julia. I think that was Nancy Myers. Um, God, I hope so. Or else I'm embarrassed. Anyway, I've been thinking a lot about Nancy Myers movies and I've kind of been like, should I write an essay about this? I think about part of what makes them so appealing is that they show women who are completely financially empowered having other issues in their lives effectively. And I think that's kind of part of the deal with finance is like, if your finances are in order, you actually have room for much more interesting issues in your life. Yeah. Like finances is a boring issue to have. I'm obsessed with this concept as well right now because I actually, and I've said this, I think on the podcast, but I had a client recently say to me like, okay, so I just took the course and I have my budget down. I'm feeling really great about that. Like I see the path forward. I know what I need to do. I'm sticking to the budget. And now I feel totally lost because for the first time in my adult life, I actually have room to be lost. Yeah. Yes. It's, and I think that that's like, I think that that's subconsciously sometimes why we perpetuate our financial issues is because it's like, well, I don't want to have to actually deal with that. So I'm just going to keep having this weird little petty, stupid issue of my finances instead of going and like setting that up. Cause it's really, it's, it's not that complicated. Yeah. You know, like we talk about, it's like the math is pretty simple. Yeah. Like everything about it is not that complicated. It's just doing it and not making a mess of it. It's, I always say it's not that hard. It just takes work. 
Mm-hmm. But it's not like you have to reinvent the wheel. It's like, it's not like you're like engineering. It's not mental work. It's like actually physical, calling the IRS, you know, getting on the phone with the debt collector. It's not glamorous work, but it, it's, you know, it's pulling out the weeds, but it's not like bend over backwards, break your body work. It's like, it's just work. And it's, and it's, it's work. It's not complicated. And it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. It's, it's definitely uncomfortable. You know, I think about, um, I totally agree. It's, it's just uncomfortable. And what's so interesting is how in the past few years, I've had to make more and more decisions that are just me deciding, well, what do you like more? And I'm like, I don't know what I like. I've never had to think about that kind of feeling. I never had permission to think about that because yeah. I was so fucking worried if I could pay gas or not. Exactly. I mean, I bought or not, oh God, I wish bought. I have not bought a place yet, but I got last year an apartment that for the first time in my life, I chose where to live, not based on how much it was going to cost. Wow. Ever. Like, you know, I, and it, I just said, I don't want a roommate. I don't want to live in a garbage can. And I'm choosing where to live. And I, and quite frankly, when I signed the lease, I wasn't quite sure how I was going to make it work. Like I'd done my numbers, but I was like, this is tight. But what I found was that by doing it, by signing the lease, I figured it out. Mm. It was like, I had to push myself to that. I, I, I was, you know, I basically doubled my rent and it was like, this is terrifying, but it was, I just, I just knew I had to push myself to that next level. And I think the key here is that you were prepared enough to know that it was and that you had the time that you had spent in your budget on your side to be like, what can I cannot afford? I have savings. I'm, it wasn't that you just like had zero and decided to go and do this. You know, like you had paid off your car, you were pay, you know, had paid off or had, or we're still paying off your credit cards. Like you had, you had been, it was a, a risk and like a, a level up, but like you were more prepared than ever before for that oh, exactly. because of all the work you had done. Exactly. And it was like, because I actually knew those things, it wasn't this like vague, like, oh, I don't know. That's like a lot of money. It was Can like- Can I afford this? Yeah. It was like, no, I, I know what I'm kind of putting on the line here, basically. And it just forced me to show up better in my business, basically. And, you know, I mean, I thought so much about just the way, I mean, everything you've said about like, how does it impact your daily life? And it's like, it's, it's beyond, like, it's, it's beyond words. It's, it's the fact that like, there are so many things. I remember one time in my twenties going to a therapist and, um, you know, and it was during those times, probably around the time when I met you. And, you know, and things were just tough. Like I was really, I was struggling and I was like matched with a therapist and, you know, through, um, through like a firm. And she was like, actually, I want to take a moment to promote Catholic charities for therapy. I just can't say enough good about them. It's not Catholic therapy. It's just therapy. If you ask to have some like input from the church's teachings to your therapy, you can, but it is absolutely not required. You don't have to be Catholic. You don't have to be, you don't even have to care about Catholicism. Catholic charities just serves. They provide therapy on a sliding scale, almost anywhere in the world. And they're amazing. So if there's anybody who's listening who needs a therapist who isn't sure how to pay for it, look into Catholic charities in your area because it is it is secular therapy unless you want it to be anything else but that. It is a beautiful organization and they serve people like no questions asked. They're amazing. Um, so I was going to therapy at Catholic charities because I was like, how I like, I, I had heard this and I was like, I, I need a therapist and I don't know how to pay for one. And they matched me with a therapist who was like, I was talking to her about what I was 
going through and just what, what my stressors were at the time. And she was like, well, have you considered like just making a budget? And it was like, you know, and, and I, and I don't, I don't want to say anything bad about her. I'm sh- I think she was just, you know, she was trying to like work with what she thought was going on, but I immediately called like the leader of the program and I was like, Hey, this isn't a good match. Like, and I got rematched and I have this amazing therapist who I still see through Catholic charities. I, it made me wonder, you know, how many people who are in therapy just need a raise, you know? And I say that with, I've been in therapy for like 12 years and like, you know, I, I take mental health very seriously. So I just don't say that in the slightest to, to like imply that mental health isn't anything but completely real. But I think about how many people are experiencing extreme anxiety or hopelessness or any number of things that again are amplified in this case by the lack of money. Yeah. And I say all of that because what ultimately came out of it was just like a day-to-day life that was so much more peaceful. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And it's like, I'm still in therapy. I still take my meds. Like these are still parts of my you life. You still budget. You still, still all the things. Yeah. I still do all these things, but ultimately getting my finances in order just made my day-to-day life so much more peaceful. One of the biggest things that I took away from, or I continue to take away from financial empowerment is self-valuing, which comes out in self-care and self-love. For the longest time when I wasn't charging enough for my work, when I wasn't taking care of my finances, I didn't care take care of myself either. I didn't sleep, which we've discussed. I would work around the clock. And what was so interesting is I worked more, but made less. Mm. And it really reflected in, it, it was so clear that I wasn't actually valuing my personhood. And I was only valuing myself in, in how hard I could work myself. And I think what I really have taken away is like self-love is a verb and financial empowerment has made, has just given me the strength to take that action, take the action of self-love, which means like I have a bedtime now and I stick to it. Like, that's like one of my biggest things is like bedtime and luxury can mean so many different things in different circumstances and everything. But for me, like one of my everyday luxuries is going to bed at night and not taking my laptop with me, which is like what I used to do. I used to literally like sleep next to my laptop while photos were exporting for a client and then wake up and keep editing and like put something on to upload. And it was like, oh, that's uploading. Great. I can sleep while it uploads. I don't do that anymore. (laughs) And that's really cool. That's really cool. Yeah. I think that financial empowerment ultimately showed me how to value myself. I agree. Totally. All right, Shanti, we have entered the segment of secrets out. Secrets out. What's the secret? Secrets out. All right. First question. What's the worst thing you've ever done with money? Oh God, that's a good one. I mean, those true, those true religion genes come to mind. My mom always says a speeding ticket is the worst way to spend $150, but I actually don't think so. (laughs) I also don't think so. Probably the true religions. That was just such an overtly emotional thing. What's the best thing you've ever done with money? Where do I begin? There are so many good things. Um, Buying a desktop computer was pretty cool. I mean, if if I'm leaving out paying off debt, paying off my car, things like that, Find a desktop computer because it literally made me not able to take my work to bed. Yeah, I love that. Love that. Okay, what's the least amount of money that's a lot of money to you? Like if you lost or wasted this amount of money, you'd be really upset. Wow. 
Probably like 1,500 to 2,000. And what was it like three years ago? Oh God, like a (laughs) hundred. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I love that question. Okay, what's a realistic goal that you're working towards that was inconceivable five years ago? Six figures. Oh my God, that's so exciting. Yeah, that's really exciting. Wow, that's amazing. I love it. 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 Shanti, where can people find you? On the internet, I am easy to find. I am very Googleable. Shanti, S H A N T I, like yoga class, Knight, K N I G H T. I am on Instagram at Shanti Knight. I am at shantinight.com. Um, I am not on TikTok because, like, I don't do that. And uh, yeah, any, anywhere you want to find me, I'm Shanti Knight, pretty much. Amazing. Thank you so much for your time. This Every time I talk to you, it's always, I mean, our sessions would always be like two hours long because we always, it's just, you have that energy where you can go deep and deep and deeper and deeper and deeper. And uh, this was so valuable. I can't wait to get you back on to talk all things wedding and spending and money and all of that. So we'll have to get you back on soon. And thanks for everything. Oh, we end every episode by saying happy budgeting. So Shanti, thank you so much for being on. Happy budgeting. Happy budgeting, AJ. Thank you so much. This has been a sincere pleasure. Thank you for listening to Everybody's Bad With Money. Your support makes a huge difference. And if you haven't already, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review. If you're listening and you're thinking, yes, I'm so ready to get my finances in order. I'm so done living the way that I'm living and I'm ready for a change. I really don't know how to get started, but I'm ready. Heal your relationship with money and become financially free begins July 12th. In 10 weeks, you will learn everything you need to know to budget, get out of debt, build wealth, and change your money mindset to an attractor. You have 24-hour support, live sessions, and a one-on-one call with a financial freedom coach. Since it is so hands-on, spots are limited and you must apply to be enrolled. Learn more at beyondthegreencoaching.com and apply with a link in the show notes. Are you ready to take control over your finances and become the wealthiest person you know? The program is $2,100 or six payments of $400. Apply and sign up before June 29th to receive one month of coaching for free. You heard me right. One free month. Still listening? Head to the link in the show notes to apply and start your financial freedom journey today.